One, two, one, two, check. You're listening to Ask the Pros, a podcast that inspires individuals to change the way they think in order to pursue their passion and make a meaningful career. My name is Kesena Eronife, a project planner, and I will be sitting with professionals and entrepreneurs to discuss their processes, lessons learned, and how to make an impact. Welcome to Ask the Pros. Um, the platform is to inspire, uh, motivate listeners and um, tend to just interview um, professionals, entrepreneurs or anybody who wants to make a difference in the community and they tend to tell their story and whoever is interested will um, follow their career path. On this episode, I've got my friend here, Dickbo, who is an actuarial consultant. And uh, Digbo would be telling us his story, how he started from school and down to um, where he's working right now. Without saying much, uh, Digbo, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Kes. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, Digbo. Can you tell Can you tell listeners who you are and uh, a few things about yourself? Uh, so, Ola Digbo Lawal. I've known Kes for a couple of years now, I guess coming up to 10 years. So background-wise, um, I'll just start from, I guess, university. So I went to University of Benin. I studied industrial chemistry. I always liked math. So every when, while I was in uni, University of Benin, I always had electives that were kind of had to do with math. And then I kind of started programming. I got into programming from a young age as well. Like all these, I guess, computer courses that had to do with Excel. And I, I knew there was more to just you know, doing formula in Excel. So I kind of got into coding. So in Uniben, I kind of, I did um, Fortran, which was, because I was studying chemistry and I was doing a Fortran elective, which was kind of not heard of, but, you know, Stella V. So, and then I kind of got into um, kind of VB programming as well while I was doing in, doing in University of Benin. And then after my, after industrial chemistry, I thought, you know what, I think there's there's more to life than wearing a white coat. It, it, I ended up doing the the whole degree and thought it wasn't for me. So I then thought, okay, next thing is let me pursue my my passion for IT, you know, programming, software development. So then I kind of channeled that. I did a diploma in database management. The truth was I couldn't code properly. So I, I was kind of self-taught. self thought, And then the courses I did as well kind of just reinforced the knowledge. So I came to the UK, did... Uh, a master's in advanced software engineering, which was which was good because it was quite hands-on as well. I did that up in Edinburgh. And while I was doing my dissertation, as we all do, I started looking for work. And then yeah, I got my I got I got my kind of I got a proper software development gig uh, <clears throat> up in Edinburgh then with a, <clears throat> with a risk consultancy. So while I was doing my dissertation, you know, I got the job, you know. You know, congratulations to myself. And then three months into the job, I had to go and do my graduation, came back into work. And so she started, you know, progressing as a software developer. I still felt that there was still something missing to that. And because it's a risk consultancy, I kind of worked with um, quant, quantitative analysts and actuaries as well. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, you know, what do you guys do? Because I, my side of the road, my, our side of the fence was we get the specifications from, the subject matter experts, the actuaries, and the quants, and then we, you know, we put that. We we basically design financial models, and then they do the testing, 
and as well, you know, I kind of like math as well. So let me kind of see if, let me see if I can actually take on some of the exams they're doing. So I kind of started doing the exams kind of just out of, I guess, mere curiosity and because I like math as well. And in doing so, I kind of became a pass. I'm kind of, I'm a pass qualified actuary now. So I've kind of done my exams halfway. I should qualify and become an actuary, but I, I've kind of got the 50-50 slant. So I'm a software developer that's got the actual exposure as well. So, that, that, so that's me in a nutshell. That's kind of my academic background stroke, how I kind of transitioned into the professional working life. And my, my, my kind of, kind of, how do I say, my, my motto is always being the glass is always kind of half empty. So I'm, I'm kind of my hardest critique, you know, I, I, I kind of, I find it hard to kind of take accolades. Like, even if I'm like, okay, I've done this, I'm like, okay, what's left? So there's always that, you know, what's next? What's ex what's that extra you can do? So I kind of never just, you know, settle and rest. Even right now, I'm still like, you know, what's next? Like, what else do I need to be doing? Like, because right now, there's all kind of big, big emphasis on like data science. So I'm like, you know, you need to get into this data science arena, find out what's going on. And there's the whole kind of artificial intelligence buzz as well. So there's always something new. There's something always up and coming. Like they say, there's nothing new under the sun. But it's more kind of just making sure you stay relevant in the industry, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, I so guess. Kind of, yeah, I guess. Um, it's 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 very very interesting knowing that you you came you 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 had a chemistry background and and now you transitioned from that being a software developer, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, being a software developer and, and um the whole actual course and that thing that that wasn't your first choice of career, was it? <clears throat> no, no. To be to be honest, like if you asked me. If you ask me, like when I was like, you know, ten years or eleven years old, I wanted to just play basketball. <laughs> my dream was, <clears throat> my dream was to, you know, go to the NBA, you know, be a superstar, you know, retire before I was forty, and have a, and have a, have a nice farm, you know. Because my plan was just like, you know, life is simple. What do we need? The essentials, like we need to eat, <laughs> you need to sleep, you need somewhere to, you need a roof over your head, you need to eat, you know, simple. Like, you know, what did the early man do? So my plan was, how do I do something that, you know, you kind of, you have fun doing what you're doing. And then, obviously, you know, for the time, every professional athlete knows that after a certain time, you have, your career lasts for X amount of years. After that, you retire and you move on. So I kind of had that plan in my head, but then obviously, but, so when I was, uh, when I was, ele when I was like 11, 12, I was 5, 11. So like I had massive growth spurts when okay. I was young. So I was like projecting myself, like, you know, I'm, I'm 10, 11 now, I'm 5, 11. So like my time I'm 14, 15, like, you know, I should be like, I'm like, I don't want to be greedy. Like, if I'm six, three, six, four, I can work with that in the NBA. Like, you know, I could be a guard. So I used to play, but I used to spend hours on the basketball court. <laughs> like, hours and hours. Like, I used to put in the work, you know, watch Michael Jordan, you know, all the kind of basketball tapes or material I could find, basketball magazines. I used to learn all the moves. I was really big on basketball, but the height was just not on my side. Be because the height was wasn't on your side. Games. Yeah, yeah, and I just thought all the there are people my height in the NBA. Don't get me wrong, but you just see that you have to just do that extra. You just there has to be something special about you. Like they just have just you have to be extraordinary. And I just thought at six foot four, because I've got the height on my side, I don't have to be extraordinary. I have to just put in you know the work. And I think I watched um, I think I watched a documentary then that, that was called Hoop Dreams, and it was just about it was kind of just mirroring. It was just kind of following these kids. Everybody, want, everybody that holds a basketball wants to be a ball. Everybody wants to be Michael Jordan. So everybody, they kind of just follow them through, like, you know, follow their life through college. 
And most of them, like, I don't even think any of them made it to the NBA, which is sad, because most of them got chopped down because of injuries. Being in the sporting area, being if you want to do sports or you want to become a professional in that area, I know it's very, it's very difficult in terms of maintaining your weight. It's very yeah. tedious, you know. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very demanding. So, so yeah, it's so hard. I guess, yeah. So fourteen, fifteen, I thought you haven't grown since you're eleven. So let's let's just keep it real. <laughs> let's stick to the books. <laughs> let's stick <laughs> let's to stay the, in school. Let's stay. Let's yeah. stay in school. Let's stay in let's school stay, and yeah. stick and stick to the books, right? Books. So, so I just said, you know what? I like basketball. I shall play. I shall play basketball as a hobby. <laughs> so, that's it. so I just quickly, I just quickly said, there's no way to be fooling myself because you know, you, you if I go to the states and like, dude, you're five eleven. Like, <laughs> tell us what was exceptional about you. Like, can you jump out? Okay, you can jump out of the gym. Uh, what else? That's it. Yeah, because like, it's it's all these things. Like, because end of the day, like when I was when, when you when, when you're about, when you play basketball, if you're playing against someone that's taller than you, even if I'm five eleven, if you're playing against someone that's six four, you can always feel that it's just a lot harder. Like guarding them, they basically can just they school you all day. Like they just own you in the game. Yeah, you're I right. just thought I don't be doing that night in night out, and then you don't get paid that much as well because you know if you're not a franchise player, you just end up being like a fringe player. I'll just be on the bench like one day I shall get my chance to step on this court. So <laughs> Okay, Nick, well, well well said, well said, well said. Yeah. Uh, so um from the your first degree was chemistry and and I I know you transitioned from that to be become a software developer. So yeah. being actuarial consultant, like in that in in your in your in your career part now, how what is there is there a process or you, you just stumble into it? What's what's the process? What well, of so getting to that, like, get, so getting to where I just, you are right like now. I stumbled, I stumbled into it. So while, while I was doing my diploma in database management, okay, I had a, that's the thing. Like I'm always, my hustle, everyone's hustle is different. My hustle is always like, I never believed that the door is shut. I never, I, I don't believe that anything is impossible. So while I was doing my, when I was doing my diploma in database management, I just heard that, oh, they kind of run some internship programs. Like they can post you with like, you know, different companies. So I thought, you know, I just signed myself up. I was always pressurizing receptionists and the secretaries, like what's going on. So eventually while I was doing my, my, while I was doing my master's, I just got this email that, oh, someone now saw my profile. I like my profile. I said, hey, you know, do I, do, I, do I mind coming over for like six weeks in the summer? You know, just come and get some exposure. So it was actually funny. My first real exposure was actually on a trading desk in an investment bank. Wow. So, you know, I was on a trading desk. I had like two monitors. It was like surreal. And this was this was like the days where, you know, investment bankers like, you know, they buy a bonus and next day they turn up in like a yellow or red Ferrari. So, so <laughs> what, year, actually, what, what year is this? What year are you talking about now? This this must have been when this was me, two thousand and this was like pre credit crunch though. So this was like two thousand and two thousand and six. Okay. So then, you know, you know, then working in the investment bank. So you don't you would think like, you know, this guy's been in investment banking. He's seen, he's seen how the industry works. Like he would kind of progress to be in there, but I don't know. It just, so the thing, just the, the lure and appeal just didn't, I, it just never kind of warmed up to me, to be honest, like being a trader. I just feel like you kind of sell your soul in a way. And I think it's just the whole thing. That's the reason why, you know, I kind of never became a pastor and everything. Like, I just feel like I have a conscience and you know, it's just, I can't be telling some someone something I'm not sure of, because you look at you know you look at the stocks, and you're like big, making a decision. It's it's all subjective. Like you know, no one can tell the future. Yeah, but that's the thing. You can't you're predict. Right. You know, you can come up with a good guess, like you know, based on what's been trending or what's been going on. 
I think this is it. But for you to then say, you know, put all your money, put all your pension, you know, put your kids' funds into this, like, ultimately, it's a decision to make, but you're still giving that advice. And I just thought, you know, would I be able to sleep with myself, like, if a decision I've made goes belly up, and then you lose all your money? Obviously, it's not my money. End of the day, I'll, I'll still get my commission. I'll still get my, you know, I'll still get paid every month. But then would I be able to live, you know, with myself? So I, can, I guess... Yeah, it was it was just very was mm -hmm. it was interesting because I'm in this environment where everyone is kind of striving to try and get the food through the door, and I kind of slipped through, and I, as an intern, and I just thought, nah, this is not for me. So I just you know carried on, carried on with my my masters, and then I found I guess a different calling. You know, I found a different path. You know, through when I worked for risk consultancy, because then it's like you're still taking risks, but. It's, I guess it's it's calculated risk because insurance, you're buying policies, it's pulled. So yeah, it's like the people have a vested interest, like you know, yeah, you're you're buying you're buying insurance maybe to, you know, kind of insure your phone. You know, I'm not I'm, you know, so it's it's more like you're, you're just you're buying you're you're buying a safeguard for any eventuality that might happen. Yes. And I just felt like, you know, that's that that feels like a more kind of earnest way of making a living because, you know, you're paying me. You know, with the, and then the idea is like, you know, if your phone gets stolen, like there's, there are different criteria and conditions for you to make a claim, etc. And it just felt like an earnest way to kind of make a living. Obviously, I'm not an underwriter, but I kind of sit more with the risk. I've kind of worked in different capacities. I've kind of sat with risk. I've kind of done some capital modeling. So it's kind of been quite a kind of diverse spread of roles. But that, so that was just an, you know, interesting kind of very kind of just varied away from investment bank oh, it was just six weeks though but then i could have kind of just faced that head down so i must so how i became got into the whole actuarial so soft software development was a, was passion driven okay but then and then but the actuarial bit was more because I, it was more like oh i'm just i'm curious like you know what do you guys do you know oh, i know that you guys see there's loads of math involved i like math because i always like math from from kind of uni secondary school so it was kind of those things where everything kind of came full circle, like you like to code, you like math. It just felt like the the perfect mesh. And apparently I kind of found out from my mom as well that my mom used to be into signal pro pro um, signal processing back in the days, which is like like hardcore, like old school programming. So yeah, so <laughs> okay. I kind of so I kind of see where I got that from. Like, you know, it was passed down. Like I just didn't inhale, you know, the programming bug. It was like it's all kind of genetically passed down. Okay, so give, given a given a, a a blueprint um, process from you, what would you say are the are the processes are to get into where you are? Like starting from from A to B to C to D, you know, like what what would you so, what would you what would you advise anybody that wants to be on your path? Well, so not everybody wants to be a programmer. Not everybody wants to code, but. So if I could, let's say if I could do it again, you know, what would I do? Okay. I yeah. guess instead of studying industrial chemistry, I'd have studied, I would have studied actual science to start with so that I'm like, like I'm out, so I'll be like a thoroughbred, okay. like, you know, you know, in and out. So I'd have started with a degree in actual science. And because I've got that kind of flair for programming and software developing, then now I'd have kind of meshed properly because right now what the, the institutes and faculty of actuaries are doing now, they're, I think they're embedding some kind of because when i say coding within actual the, because most of the things you do is quite stats heavy like statistics and probabilities and distributions so i think now they're trying to integrate 
there's a package called R, which is you can use that for like statistical modeling. They're kind of integrating that more with their course courses now. So it kind of kind of simulates what you meet in reality. So I would, you know, do an actuarial science degree and then maybe just do like a so bachelor's degree, actuarial science. Then maybe I'll do a master's that has to do with becoming a quantitative analyst. So it's still using your actuarial background, but then with systems development. And then, you know, qualify as an actuary would be a lot quicker because you kind of study that. You kind of lived the life for like, you know, four plus years doing your undergrad. And then when it comes to kind of just finalizing the actual qualifications, become a fellow, it should be a lot more, it should be a smoother transition and easier. And then you can pick up like the coding, as long as you, the Microsoft courses you can do, the Java courses you can do, just to kind of embolden you and kind of, so you can actually hone your craft as well. So that's, that's how I've done it, I guess. Okay. But the issue is, but the issue would then be, if you're a qualified actuary, most most people there's like a role to ascension. You would keep on moving up. You know, you end up being in a more senior role where you do less hands-on coding. But my role right now, I get the buzz because it's quite hands-on. I get to do the coding as well, which I like. So, I guess for me, there's always that slant towards coding, which has always been my issue. It's like I'm always fighting two forces. Okay, so but but, but is it is it something you want to? just um later in life you want to just focus on coding and you'll be probably doing like um um uh, app development and you know that software building and stuff like that well it's it's something i enjoy doing so it's never going to go away so i guess who knows what the future holds but yeah possibly i would i would continue down this path you know because it's just it's problem solving that's the thing so i enjoy problem solving so yeah so i guess ultimately being a qualified actuary for me is, you know, it's it's you know, it's good. Like it puts you there, you're a fellow, you know, you're seen differently am- amongst your pairs. But for me, like on a day-to-day engagement, I kind of I kind of enjoy where I am now. I'm like a half and half. I just feel like if I went full circle one way, then one would suffer. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. So it's kind of just you know, it's like just feeding your demons in a way. So yeah, it's it's kind of I've got like a good rich balance right now. Okay, so while 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 you were studying, doing your masters at um, was it University of Edinburgh? Where were you studying? So 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 it's uh so university was Edinburgh Napier University, but now they've changed themselves to Edinburgh. No, they've not changed themselves to is it was it Edinburgh Napier University? But yeah, it's Napier University then, but they've not changed themselves to Edinburgh Napier University. So obviously, it's not it's so obviously there's there's Edinburgh University that everybody knows, which is like a red brick university. And then there's like Napier University. There are a couple of universities in Edinburgh, but those, yeah, it's Edinburgh Napier University that I did the course. Okay, you did the course. And so while, while you were studying for that course, were there any challenges? Mm-hmm. Were there any challenges oh. in, in terms of you wanting to go a particular part and pick a, mm-hmm. pick a, a, pick a, a particular job sector? No, no. Well, obviously, the truth is like when I got the job, you know, as a software developer with Byron Hibbert, like, it was, I didn't even know, like, I didn't know anything about risk consultancies. I didn't know anything about actuaries. All I just want, so obviously I applied for a couple of roles and I just wanted to use my skills. I just, I was like, this is what I, this is what I, this is what I bring onto the table. Then it's like, I'm into C sharp. I'm into .NET. I like my databases. I like SQL server. I like Oracle. Like this is, this is the flair I bring to the table. That's what my CV had. So it was more you know, what, what is out there that needs my skill that I can apply my skill and help the client achieve their end goal 
objectives, you know, meet targets and, you know, just kind of move forward and present a competitive advantage in the market. So that's that was always my aim. How how I ended up where I am now, you know, was just, was just pure luck. Like it's just it's one of the things where I guess a path was carved for me, and I, I just unconsciously, you know, stepped into that path. But while I was in Edinburgh University, like I'm quite restless, so I used to work in a call center for. I think I worked for um, I, I worked for Ip, I worked for Ip, Ipsos Murray, like um, sorry. So that's more. It's like market research. So who knows when I called you up, you didn't even know. So if you hung up on me, so I used to just call people up to do market research in the mornings or afternoons. So I used to do that as well. And I guess being a Nigerian, you know, being a, a kind of an immigrant as well, I, I feel like I'm like at times I'm like, you know, would I have been better like staying back in Nigeria? Would I have been better like pursuing like a managerial role back in Nigeria? But then it's always been the case of like I've always. My mom always told me, like, you know, follow your passion kind of things. I thought, yeah, I'll follow my passion because the truth is, you know, I could be back home in Nigeria. But then you kind of, you, you know how it is when in life you feel like there's an itch you didn't scratch? Yeah. I just didn't right. want to, I didn't, I, I didn't want to be that person that, you know, one day when you're, you know, when it's all said and done, you're like, man, I didn't scratch that itch. At least I, I tried basketball. It didn't work out. I was tall <laughs> enough. Big deal. You know, so I just thought, I like programming. You know, and then, then obviously back home, back home, this is when, you know, we're still using checks, there are no ATMs. So things were not the way they are now, which is good. Like, we're, like Nigeria, like there's like momentum there. There's a massive shift. Everybody's more embracing technology now. You can't help it, man. The internet is everywhere. But back then it was like, things are just, it was just a lot different. Like I just felt like I would just be static there. So for me it was making that jump here and in a way, because when you when you when when you move to a different country, there are many things that what you're just not hundred percent comfortable, because they're like on your student visa, and then you want to start working. So that transition, it's always it's always a struggle and a challenge as well. Okay, I think things like that kind of in a way take away from maybe how far we could have you know gone because you're kind of watching over your shoulder as opposed to if you're just like you're just free to express yourself like you know what. Because I remember once, like, the reason why I actually did my master's was, while when I finished my diploma in database management, I remember then I was, I was, you know, I was applying for work then because I was on a student visa and everybody just said, you know, you're a student, because you're on a student visa, no one can hire you because they have to sponsor you, sponsor a work permit for you. So the easiest, so the thing was, next thing was, you know, how do I get to the job market? Then the UK had a couple of incentives on um, the highly skilled migrant program. But then for you to get that, you, you needed a UK degree. I didn't have a UK degree. I had a Nigerian degree. So, okay, fine. I've got a BSc. Next thing is an MSc. So that's why I thought, okay, fine, you do a master's. And I thought it's a double-edged sword. I do a master's so I can, I can go on, I can get a visa status that, that lets that qualifies me to, you know, get a job in the UK. And at the same time, I'm actually enriching myself as well because I already have this background. I'm already kind of building up this cachet. So if I do a master's in software development, it kind of just meshes properly. So that's it. So that's how I was able to apply for work because then, you know, I am my own sponsor for a work permit. Okay, okay. All, 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 you, all you said, I was, I was also taking to, 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 to note that, you know, it, it was also hard work because um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and hard work and trying to, to see yourself, you know, somewhere, somewhere up there 
Yeah, true. Yeah, it's just yeah, just trying to. It's one of these. It's one of these journeys you go through, and it's like you know, each like every like you're making like baby steps, baby steps. But then at times I think like, you know, if I was just thinking, you know, if back in 2005, after my diploma in database management, what's if there are no restrictions? And because remember then, there was actually a role. They're very keen because it's one of these things where I kind of knew that, you know, that, that I, I knew there'll be candidates out there. And it was like, you know, how do I put my best foot forward? Like, how do I outshine the population? Like, how do I, how do I make myself, you know, stand out? So I did my Microsoft certifications. I did my Oracle certifications. So automatically, like, I, you, you would, I, I stood out. Yeah. But then it just came down to, sorry, we can't hire you because there are work restrictions. So at times I think like 2005, you know, I came in here, I did my certifications. If I'd gotten that first job, I don't know where I would have been. <laughs> you know, I could have been, I could have taken a different path. Okay. So yeah, so it's it's just it's just one of these things where you know you you know. But, who knows. but would you but would you say would you say being an actual um, consultant, it's it's hard it's hard getting a job in the in the <clears throat> in that career career path? Well, so. Firstly, as an actuary, there are different actuaries. There are, there are pension actuaries, there are life insurance actuaries, there are general insurance actuaries, there are investment actuaries. So right now, I started off, so from my risk, work, working in the risk consultancy, I transitioned into life insurance for legal and general. Okay. And then I mysteriously moved into general insurance for AIG as well. Usually that jump, there's always that transition because people different actuaries and the different actuaries think differently. So life insurance, life actuaries, they kind of, they, there's something we call long tail. Their projections are long because you're thinking about like 30 year policies, life insurance cover. So that, that when they, when they kind of price policies and when they develop policies, they're thinking about a longer time horizon. Meanwhile, general insurance actuaries, it's more, it's a short, they call it the shorter tail. So you're thinking about the shorter time horizon, like your car insurance, you renew it every year. Yes. So it's a shorter kind of time horizon. So it's more like you're, you're, you're moving from this thinking of everything is like minimum 10 years plus to now a kind of a thinking of how things are, you know, within a, a shorter um, kind of time space. So, yeah, the jump wasn't easy. And I kind of work in the London markets, which is like the London, like, so it's kind of like you're insuring, you know, massive big risks, like, you know, airplanes, like ships. You know, like maybe like the on like London, like your London is the, let's say um, um, Transport for London is building an underground station like the Bath City Power Station. You come to, that's the that's where you come to to kind of get to kind of ensure such a massive project that runs into billions, and there are loads of insurers in the market in the marketplace that would then take chunks of it. So it's it's, it's it wasn't easy to be honest transitioning into the London market arena and into the GI space. Because the first thing they ask you is, do you have London market experience? I'm like, no, I don't. But I have life insurance experience. But they're like, no, it's it's a different ball game. But eventually, you know, I, I got in. You know, someone it was just a typical, we need someone that's got a, a systems background, like someone that's got, that can write, that, you know, that can develop software, look after databases, automate processes. And then the, and then the person has some insurance experience. They were not very particular about the whole life London markets exposure, so that's how I got into transitioning into general insurance London markets. So that was because I remember then I used to call recruiters like, "Oh, sorry, your CV, you know, we agree with you 100%, but then the the end clients want London market exposure." Okay, so that was, like, that was that was always the that was that, that was, was always the, the, the down. You know, every, 
yeah don't at, every, at every yeah at every point there always be hurdles so i was like okay how do we how do we jump this hurdle and it's funny because now mom like now that i've been in the market for a while i see people as well that they don't have any london market experience they don't even have any insurance experience and they end and they are working in the london market so i think you know ultimately you know just keep on knocking on the door so, keep on pushing so are you are you saying that the requirements have changed from from when you started till, till no, no, now no it's, it's still it's still the same like you know if you see like the job post and the job ads like people still say you know london market experience is essential because i've met people that their cvs are superb like you know this like i don't see why this guy cannot you know satisfy you know the role on a daily basis and it just comes down to the hiring manager saying he doesn't have London market experience. Sorry, who's next? So, it's it's just it's. I think it's you know if you're if you're if you're in the, if you're in the market, it works in your favor because, you know, you're kind of you're kind of you're being kind of filtered out of that pool. Okay, okay, that's good. So in within the within the insurance sector where you are right now, what what, what would you say are the mistakes that that people people in your profession make? You know, being being an insurance actuarist. I won't say the mistakes per se. I think it's more like they want someone that's been through like that because at times we do long hours. Okay. So when they say they want someone that has automatic market experience, it's more like, you know, you know, professionalism, you know, you must address a certain way, you know, you must, because, you know, every, the London market, you never know if you're meeting a client. You never know if you're running into a client. You don't know who you're going to run into. So there's that level. You have to kind of carry yourself in a certain way. And then the hours as well, like, you tend to work long hours. They, you know, the last thing you want to hear is, oh, we've got a deadline to meet. And next day, someone says, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm going home at 5 o'clock. Like, there's nothing, nobody said, you don't have to work till midnight or 2 a.m. every day. But now and again, you just have to put in the extra shift, you know, to get the job done. And most, most big, most multinationals or big insurance companies, they have, you know, they, they might have headquarters in, this, in, New, in New York. You know, they're kind of spread around the globe. So you, there'll be time zone issues. So it's possible that someone you're working with on a project or to try and close a deal, it's possible that you guys work different time zones. So let's say when it's lunchtime, UK time, they're just coming into work. So you have to kind of factor those things in. So I think when they say, you know, this kind of experience, they kind of it's more like it's like the way of thinking, kind of, and then it's more like the professionalism and kind of the cachet you've built up over the years. So at times I, I kind of see it's not a mistake per se, but I think it's more. If you know if you know that someone has been through that grind, it's easier for you to know that you know what this guy has been through this grind. It's easy for him to kind of adapt and move and move and kind of continue in this role, as opposed to you taking a risk on someone that you feel that oh this guy is coming from outside the industry, and his own industry. There's some things that maybe for them they don't, they they might just not agree with like maybe working late hours, and maybe dressed in a certain way like you have to be suited and booted, because no one no one no like you know your your pay. Is not no one is including like suits in your pay, so yeah. there's things like that and dry cleaning and all that. So it's, it's just it's just a it's kind of it's just professionalism, the integrity, the ethos. So it, it is valuable, but to me, I think if you meet someone, you, you might miss out on potential candidates that can fit that role properly if you select against them. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's one of these things where you want someone that meets this criteria, but there are people out there that could. With time, you need to give them time, of course. Like, you know, there's no one, you know, no, no one was born X, Y, Z. We all kind of grow into roles and learn. 
So as long as you can just let them adapt, you know, to that role, then it should be fine. So are you are you saying that those are some of the mistakes they make or some of the things they overlook in terms of recruitment? Yeah, yeah. I, I won't say they're mistakes. I just say I just think they just overlook them, and they just it's just getting selected against. I guess it's almost is I can use basketball as an analogy. If if um if I turn up to go and play basketball now, if they're let's say they want to pick five guys, right, and then we're six, right. Let's say I'm the sixth person, and let's say the the, red, the other five guys are like six foot four, six foot five. Automatically, you want to pick the first five. Yes. You know, even even in my, I'm just saying, I, I, I as a person, I would select against myself. I'll say, give me all the six footers, please, right? But then I'm five eleven. You you don't know what I can offer, but it's all you know. It's all it's all based on you know your first impressions. It's it, just, it is what it is. Like you get selected against, so I, I can see why on the CV automatically. Okay, we want someone. The role is in the London market. The role is to do X, Y, Z. Automatically, you get selected against because you're like, oh, if we have people that meet this criteria, then you know, let's let's see them first. Okay. So, is it, so, 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 it, with this basketball analogy, it's like you want to win a game. So you have a team. The other team, there are six footers there, all six footers, like six five, six seven, six eight. If you want to win and stay competitive, you need to find, you know, your own equivalent, you know, team of six footers. And you won't be start. You you won't start meddling. You take a risk of someone that's five eleven, if you're out of six footers. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There we go. So if if so if the pool if you have if you have a pool of people with a certain skill set, you rather go with that pool. But then if there's no if that pool is dried up and dwindling, then you're like, okay, fine. Let's see what's well, let's see the next best out there. So I, I think it's I think it's it's just it's um it's it's just getting selected against and you're you're looking for the right people. You know, to fit the role, so okay. I wouldn't say it's a mistake. It's just, okay, I guess, cool. it's so, just the way it is. Yeah. Okay. Well said. Well, so what what would be your what would be your grand advice to anybody that wants to become an actuarial consultant? Well, to so I I'm, I I think I'm a hybrid because of the software development and the actuarial blend. So it depends on you know what do you like like follow your passion like I I think it's if if you if you like to teach like if you like to if you like to transfer knowledge and you like math and you want to become an actuary, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but you might end up being an actuary. You might end up being an actuarial tutor, you know, because not, not everybody can swing the commercial environment. It's like everyone is built, everyone is built a separate way. Some people like to do research and development. So all I'll say is follow your passion. Like all I've done is follow my passion up till now. Like I do the things I like, you know, I, I guess I was, I was lucky that, you know, I was brought up in a household where, like a career path or a profession wasn't forced down my throat because the truth is like back then like my jump scores are decent enough to actually do engineering i didn't like medicine i don't like i didn't like medicine i don't like blood <laughs> so that was just nah and i don't know i just like always like chemistry so i thought and to be honest then i guess i was a bit naive i was like how can i change the world with chemistry like you know i'll go and learn about atoms and stuff who knows i might come up with something revolutionary and then yeah, you get into you get into you get into the department and you're like, nah, it's not like you see it outside. Like, you know, there are people there with like doing doing um, experiments for more than thirty years and they keep on tweaking it. I'm like, do I want to be doing this? Do I want to just be mixing and inhaling fumes <laughs> and wearing a white coat? Because <laughs> uh, these guys have been doing this thing for thirty years and they ain't making no big breakthrough. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. So you know, meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, I can write code, I can write software, and then people feel the immediate impact. They get value from it straight away. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So in the in the nearest future, what are your plans in the next future? <clears throat> so like I like I said originally, all I wanted for me, everything is a means to an end. And for me, you know, living a good life would be me on a farm, no television. Maybe I watch TV like once a month just to find out how crazy the world is. But I'll be on my farm, somewhere nice and secluded. You know, look after my farm, feed myself, feed the family. And to me, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> Ultimately, that's that's my goal. Like, so if 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 I had the opportunity to play basketball, you know, make a decent, you know, make a decent um, living out of it or fortune, you know, I'll be on my farm right now, chilling and relaxing. But then, obviously, right now, I'm like, I'm following my passion. You know, means to an end. So ultimately, that's that's what I'm gearing up to. So you end don't. Up so you don't. You don't have any plans of branching out anytime soon. No, no, because I, I don't have the money to acquire the farm yet. I don't have the resources to, <laughs> to leave the farm to leave the farm life yet. So, 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 that, that, so, so are, you, are you saying that the, the farm the farm life the farm life is your future plan? Like when you have the money, yeah. it's it's gonna be farming, and you're just gonna shut shut yourself and just and just yeah, yeah, sh- and just sh- go farming. Shut myself up from reality. Maybe I might do, maybe do some. Uh, maybe go to the university and lecture. <clears throat> you know, I might, I might do like volunteer lecturing as well. So I will still be connected to reality, but it's more like, you know, I've had my own. I've had I've had my dose of the world. So I just go there, live up on the farm. I'll go and do a few lectures. You know, <clears throat> a month. Try and give back. Try and give back to the community. Okay, you know, that's run good. Some chari- you know, run some charitable efforts. You know, study. You know, kind of teach kids. Obviously, this will be in Nigeria. Like, you know, who knows? Go back to Ilorin, go back to base, stay in Lagos. Go and lecture University of Ilorin. You know, go and lecture them about... Go, knows, go back to your... Go, go, go back to your mother... To, to your motherland. Yeah, so... Go back, to, go back to the... Go back to the grassroots. And then, you know, community efforts, man. Ilorin is... It's an interesting town. So, yeah, there, there's work that can be done there. So, it's kind of just taking back what I've learned here. Taking it back home. Yeah, and Ilorin is a... be a nice... Like, land. There's ample land there, man. So, just... Have a nice farm, okay. grow my crops, man. Agbalumo, <laughs> all the good stuff, man. All the all the mango and oranges, all the mango, oranges, lemon, and, guava, and and all organic, 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 everything, organic everything, yeah, everything so. organic, everything organic, organic, organic. <laughs> have my have chicken, you know, chicken, goat, cow, you know. So uh, that's me. That that's life, man. Like have my barbecue. Uh, that's good. Well said. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. But I've I've, I've I've seen that you you're very busy and your your time your time schedule is very very it's very very tight. Even even trying to hold you down for this interview, we we had to reschedule like a couple of yeah. weeks. You know, it was very very yeah. tight. So how how do you how do you balance work and and personal life and you know how how do you balance all that? Because you 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 seem to be like a very very busy person. How do you balance that? Well, man, it's not it's not easy. You just have to like what, what's I've learned. Like, there's something about me. Like, I like to sleep. Like, I I, I one of those people. I feel like I need to have like seven eight hours sleep. So usually, like on a school like like Monday to Friday, I've checked by by half nine ten. I'm lying down by ten. I've taken off. Like I I kind of I need my beauty sleep. <laughs> Jesus. So all I've all, all I've just learned is like you just have to. For me, like mental, I need to be physically. I have to be in a certain level of fitness, like mentally and physically. So. Like, I don't play with the gym. Like, I run a lot. Right now, I'm, I'm even injured. Like, so for me, I think it's, you have to look after your body. You have to look after your mental health. You have to look after yourself as a person. So I don't play with that. So I, so I, and by doing that, I've learned just how to optimize time 
because I go to the gym during lunch. I get on a treadmill 20 minutes, 20 minutes, get off, work on my back. So it's like I, tr- I just try and, comp- try and put things in compartments. So that's how I've learned to kind of use time effectively. So if I'm reading, let's say I'm reading like a new material, a new text or something, it's 100 pages. I'm like, there's no point in trying to read 100 pages at a go. So I'll start with, okay, fine. Let me start with, you know, 10 pages, 10 pages, like 10 pages a day. So 10 pages, my I can squeeze in an hour. So I spend an hour, I've read 10 pages. By the time I do that for two weeks, I've, I've read 100 pages. So I've just learned to kind of just, instead of attacking a problem head on, let's just, let's just try and break it down into little small manageable chunks. And that's how I've been able to just manage my time. Okay, that's that, that's that, that's good, but that's well said. So, what what are you most passionate about? You know, what what are your interests? Well, so I think for me, it's I like I like to give back ultimately. But then to me, I think it's one of these things. They say charity begins at home. So okay. I think I need to be in a I need to be in a place to be able to give back the way I want to give back because I kind of struggle a bit with the way charities are kind of set up. Because, like, you have a charity, not all, but then you have a charity where there's a big cat that has a big, massive bonus and take-home. So the way I kind of, I want my own charity. I kind of like the way, like, Bill Gates runs his charity. So I kind of want that kind of charity where I'll be there, you know, I'll be there on ground. Okay. You but know, well, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you doing any form of charity right now? Are you, are you doing no, that? No, unfortunately, like I said, for me, I think charity begins at home. So unfortunately, I haven't started in because I feel... I kind of feel like I need X amount, which might be a bad approach. I think I need a certain X amount to be able to, you know, get on the on the ground running. So, yeah, yeah. I think, know, I think, I think, I think, I think it's a bad approach because I, I think, yeah. I think charity is when you, you like if you, for for example, if you have twenty twenty pounds and you, if you give one pound out, and that's all you can afford, and you know that. You know, you're you're giving it just to be of service to whoever needs it. You know, I I I, I think I think that should be the approach. You know, because if you're going to be the Bill Gates or the Richard Branson, no, 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 don't get me wrong. It's not Bill Gates, but you know, there's like you know, there's like when you have like a substantial sum, and then because for me, it's like there there are different kinds of charity. There's a charity where you want to empower someone, so that you know, by you empowering them, you're like fine. You know, there's you know, there's this there's peace build charity that you do that. Okay, I'll give you this. I'll give you that. But then you have to keep on coming back because it's not, you know, I'm not really solving your problem. I'm just, I'm just solving your problem for like the next, I don't know, 24 hours. But then if I can empower you in such a way that, you know what, you yourself become your own man. And who knows, you can actually start your own charity. Like you can start your, like, you know, if you understand, like a chain. So it's like, you know, I help, I help out. And then next, I'll, next, the, the, the byproduct of my helping out leads to, you know, another set of people kind of being helped out as well. So that's how I like to kind of see that manifested as opposed to kind of just solving immediate problems. Like you said, it's a wrong approach, but, you know, I'm just, that's that's just the way I kind of envisage trying to help. Okay, Nicole, that's 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 good. That's good because it is always it's always good to give to give back as well. Yeah, sure, sure. Anyway, yeah, yeah so. sure. I do give, I do give, but obviously it's my like, I just feel like I'm not giving like, at the, at the level I want to give, but yeah, I do, I do give, like you know. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you def, you definitely get there once you've, once you've started the process anyway. You, de- you yeah, definitely yeah. So get it, there. It's anyway. just, it's just getting there. But it's one of these funny things where, like, like I said, like it's baby steps. Like there's always yes, baby steps. Yeah, yeah that's baby right. Baby steps. Yeah, 
But then at times the baby service feels like you're not moving, you're just stationary. So yeah, we need to, we need to, we need to, we need to get it moving. Yeah. So Dico. yeah. So so, so, so Dico, yeah. So Dico, on a on a final note, Dico, what, what would you want the listeners to to take to take from this? You know, your the ultimately, what would you, what would you want them to get from this? Well, from an inspirational point of view, I think to me, I think nothing is impossible. Like you know, whatever you do, like I say, ultimately, just try and follow your passion, follow what you like doing because. You will need that passion at times to just kind of pull you through when you kind of get into difficult, you know, situations. Because if you've got passion at doing something, you would push through because it's what you like doing. That's you know, that's you. That's your that's your DNA. So I'll say follow your passions and no matter what it is you like doing, it ultimately everybody needs to get paid. You will get paid. It's just because when when I think back of then, like when I was when we're back in uni, like in Nigeria, I remember then I used to watch like P Square. We used to be like, you know, who are these guys? Like, you know, they were like unknown. Yes. But then they, they, that was their passion. You know, everybody used to make fun of them. Oh, look at these guys. Like, because then you could tell that, you know, their acts were not polished up. But then they were like, you know what? This is what we like. Do you remember then? What's his name? Partition Boys, Two Face. I remember then everybody was like, oh, I do. It's like, you know how it is. Like, you know how they, there's, the haters will always hate. But then, you know, it's a different story now. But then who could, who, who knew? Like, did anyone, could anybody say that, man? These guys. That just they're roaming like now these guys would be you know holding it down. So I think you know we could you know use people you know just use people tap into that and follow your passion. You never know what's going to come of it, as opposed to just just trying to follow the crowd. I guess yeah I because think... a lot cause, yeah because if you follow the crowd you get caught up because you're like this isn't me. So just follow your passion. You might have to stick it out, but at some point you know. You will, you something will come of it. Yeah, at the at the end of the day, yeah, for me, at uh, for me, I think it's it's binary. The, the 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 truth, the truth always wins at the end of the day. You know, so if you yeah. if you follow your part and just keep going and keep keep grinding, keep hustling, I think at the end of the day, you know, you keep pushing. You you definitely you definitely get to your goals anyway. Yeah, yeah, true. That's 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 so that's what I guess I want people to take take it. Like, just the, nothing is impossible. Keep on knocking the door, get opened. You know. Slightly open, fully open. Someone will the door get open, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dipo. Nice, nice, nice one, Dipo. It was really, really nice talking to you. And, um, yeah, no worries. Really, really thanks, thanks for, for your time, man. It's just, you know, everyone is busy, so yeah. Thanks a lot for taking the time out. Yeah, really, really nice, really nice having you on the show, and I'm grateful for you coming on the show, and um, and um, wish you the best, and um, and take care. No worries, man. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.